Good morning. So good to have everybody back together again, right? It's been a weird couple of weeks, hasn't it? <laughs> so good. Well, thank the Lord. We have the opportunity to share, and I'm so thankful to be here and feeling a little better, which has been nice. <clears throat> and we are moving quickly into the Christmas season here. We're second week of December, and I don't know why, but I forgot to put on my red tie this morning, but um, Christmas season coming upon us filled with joy, love, of course, the spirit of giving. We exchange gifts with loved ones often and express our gratitude and appreciation to each other. But there are gifts more precious than that, aren't they? Gifts that we can bring us closer to the true meaning of Christmas gifts that bring us closer to the very heart of God. And those are the gifts I want to focus on this morning. You could title this message, Unwrapping the Gifts That Matter Most to God. Unwrapping the Gifts That Matter Most. I was reminded of a question that the prophet Micah asked in Micah chapter 6. He said, With what Shall I come into the presence of the Lord? That's the quick question. We don't have to, we're going to read the whole verse in just a minute, but he starts off with, with what do I come before the Lord? And you'll see from a response, which again we'll read, they go to right to offerings, rams, goats, bullocks, and so forth. But that's not the focus of Micah's message. And that's not what the Lord really wants from us. These elaborate sacrifices and offerings are merely outward expressions, outward acts, physical acts. But Micah's real answer, the real answer we're going to get into this morning, challenges those assumptions and it reveals the truth about what God really wants from us. And there are three things. Justice, or just righteousness, mercy, loving mercy, and walking humbly, humility. Righteousness, of course, a commitment to fairness, commitment to doing what is right, standing up for the rights of others, doing what's right according to God's word, loving mercy, of course, extending compassion and forgiveness upon others, and then walking humbly, acknowledging our dependence on God and having a willingness to serve others as God leads. These gifts, when offered with a genuine heart, an unwavering commitment become our greatest offering to God. It's by our actions and outward expressions to other people. They're not temporary things, but they have a way of transforming us and as well drawing us closer to God himself. So we're going to look at these gifts this morning. Justice or righteousness, humility, walking humbly, and then of course loving mercy. So let's read the first two verses, Micah 6, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> We'll focus first that these gifts are something beyond just a ritual or something beyond just a sacrifice. God wants more than that. And Micah knew that. David knew that. Many others in the Old Testament knew it. And certainly, through the blood of Christ in the New Testament, they knew that as well. Micah 6, verses 6 through 7. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens, thousands of rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? All of these things that he is saying, is this what the Lord really wants? So the first thing I, I want us to focus on is he was intent on coming to the Lord with something. We can't come before the Lord empty-handed. I think we all know that, right? So that's a given. That's step one. You can't come before the Lord empty-handed. You can't earn your salvation through any of these things. But once we're saved and brought into his kingdom, we're to offer things back to him. And Micah says, I don't want to come before the Lord empty-handed, but what should I bring? Is it offerings, sacrifices, calves, my own firstborn even for my transgressions? And in a world that's so obsessed with appearances and the grandiose nature of gestures. You see it on TV all the time. Some celebrity somewhere is going to give of their time and or their money or their presence even to some charity or to some hospital or to something. And what do they do? They bring every camera they can find and every reporter they can find and do stories that advertise the greatness of their gesture. And I believe most of those are still relatively sincere, but they're, bring, they're doing it out of a motive of showing off the appearance of, of the good works and the good deeds. And then there are so many people that do things without telling anybody or being noticed at all. And I think we'll see the difference here. Micah's message cuts through all that noise. When he, when he, he says, when he gets to, the, to verse 8, which we'll get into in a minute. But imagine... Christmas morning, you sit down and your, your loved one has given you a gift and it's got the most beautiful wrapping paper. I'm a terrible gift wrapper. I don't know if that's a, uh, a gender thing or not, but I'm terrible and every husband I know is also terrible at wrapping gifts. If I can get it to cover all of the pieces of the box, I'm happy. But my wife is very beautiful, good at this, very good at decorating, as you all know, and you'll get these beautiful paper and lace and all. I didn't even realize there were that many different kinds of ribbon that can go on things. And imagine all this beautifully adorned gift with all of, the, all of the trimmings, if you will, and it looks beautiful, but you open it up and it's empty. How depressing would that be? And, all of, and in all of our appearances and in all of the grandiose gestures that we can do, if it doesn't have any inward transformation, it's an empty gift. And Micah is challenging us to look beyond just the surface, look beyond these blood of goats and bulls and these temporal physical things to something deeper, something that can transform us and reflect in our outward actions. It's Proverbs 21, verse 3, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. He was way more concerned with what's in here and the transformation that takes place in our hearts than he ever was about the size of a bull or how many sheep you offered or how many turtle doves, even though he spends a good portion of the Pentateuch describing all of that. But he, he, he was more, he was much better off saying, I want your heart to be changed. Hosea 6.6, 6, For I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of man rather than burnt offerings. David had a, an intimate understanding of this, Psalm 51, 16 through 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. 
You will not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of the God of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So a point of emphasis here, this first part, our sacrifices, our gifts, our offerings are not substitutes for genuine heart transformation. True worship involves aligning our actions and desires to God's will. Now, we could still do things out of an inward motivation for change and transformation. And you'll see here in a few minutes that the blessings are twofold. It not only blesses others, but it blesses us as well, right? But it's all about here, inside the heart first. True gifts that matter to God. What are the true gifts that matter to God? We alluded to them in the introduction. Micah 6, verse 8. He has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Justice, of course, righteousness, to do what is right, to do what is fair, equitable, standing up for what is right, doing what is right, and standing for what is right. What is equitable? Loving mercy, of course, compassion, forgiveness, extending God's mercy to others as he directs and he guides us. Walking humbly, humility, recognizing our dependence on him and total lack of dependence on anything we can do for ourselves. Living our life according to his will. James 1.27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and keep oneself unstained from the world. What is that? That's compassion. Standing up for the right, for justice and, and equity of others. That's what he's saying here. Pouring out to minister to other people. Matthew twenty two thirty nine, the second most important commandment, according to Jesus' own mouth, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, how we treat others, how we Minister to others. All comes out of these things. Righteousness, justice, humility, mercy, compassion. All of this comes out of a heart that wants to be closer to him and do what is right in his eyes. These are not separate concepts, if you ask me. They they all go together. They're intertwined because they reflect the very character and nature of God. When he revealed himself to Moses, he said, The Lord, the Lord God, what what is he? Goodness, full of mercy, compassion, loving kindness. These are all coming out of God's very character, which is why it's so important that we portray them as well. And each gift is is different, but again, dependent. To do what is right. In order to do what is right, we need to read the Lord's word so that we know what is right first. You can't stand for righteousness and stand for justice if you don't know what the right thing is. And that's why it's so important for us to be so intertwined into God's word so that we know what is right in every situation so that we can stand for it. He gives us the Ten Commandments, things we shouldn't do if we want to please him, our relationship with him, our relationship with others. In the New Testament, he basically summarizes all of the Ten Commandments down to two things. Matthew 22, 37, and 38. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. This is what God wants. How we 
react to him, how we react to others. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's saying a lot in one sentence. (laughs) And then love your neighbor as yourself. Treat other people. What is it? The golden rule, which is also in the Bible, Matthew 7, 12. All things whatsoever you want men to do to you, do to them. That's doing what is right. Summarized in a very basic, most elementary form. Follow this and you're going to do a lot of living justly. (laughs) Living righteously. Deuteronomy 16.20, justice and only justice you shall follow, that you might live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So how do we walk justly? How do we walk righteously, do justly? Treat people the way you want to be treated. It is the simplest, most basic expression of it. Stand for what is right. How many times if we had to take a stand for righteousness in one way, shape, or form? Think about it through your lives. I've had to do it several times throughout my career, even where, you know, we're dealing with a situation and there's an opportunity to do something that's maybe not totally ethical. And you say, wait a minute, I can't do this. I can't be a part of this. And whatever, I had to do it several years ago, not at this job. My company wouldn't do that. But it, it affected me negatively in the company, but it's like, this is not right. This is not right. You can't do this. And it had to do with just how we were treating people. Ashley had the same thing when she was with in, in D.C., where they were doing something that was going to negatively affect their employees in a, in a way that wasn't fair. It wasn't just. It wasn't right. And she took a stand, and it cost her uh, dearly. But she said, I can't stand for this. It's not right. So looking out for others. It goes far beyond fairness. It belongs, It involves actively standing and pursuing what is right on a daily basis. Loving mercy is doing what is best for someone. Sometimes that means letting them go. And letting them go to their lowest place. I shared it a few weeks ago about mercy. Mercy in the case of the prodigal son, was not chasing him down and dragging him back. It was letting him go to the deepest pit until he realized, oh, I don't belong here. I'm much better off with my dad as a slave than I am here. Is that always the case? No. Sometimes showing compassion is literally just, here, here's a sandwich. You want a sandwich? Are you hungry? Can I help you? Right? But... Blessed are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7, for they shall receive mercy. That's a guiding principle to walk. If you want mercy, show mercy. So mercy is not just about forgiveness. It's about extending compassion and understanding to those, even those who have wronged us. Yeah. Walking humbly. How do you walk humbly? To live a life of humility. To be humble means to recognize that the Lord and his way of life are more important than our own selfish loves and desires. To be humble is to acknowledge that others, even other people, especially the Lord, can show us how to live. That we don't know everything ourselves. We need to follow the Lord. It was so funny one time I was talking to, or I actually I remember a story shared about... Um, that uh, 
a fellow minister shared. And he said he was getting out of Bible school and he was dulled, puffed up with, I just graduated and I know kind of everything. And he sat down and he, he was listening to a message uh, of somebody that he felt was potentially spiritually inferior to him. He says, oh, I know all of this already. And he wasn't even taking notes. He's like, oh, I know. I could tell the verse that he was going to go to next in my head. I knew where they were going to go and I knew how they were going to summarize it. So in my head, I knew everything they were going to say before they were going to say it. And he goes, and then I looked up and I saw a senior pastor in the fellowship scribbling feverishly, taking all of these notes. Someone who knew more than I ever knew. And he was sitting here scribbling feverishly, taking all of these notes. And he goes, I got humbled that day, realizing that I can hear through anyone at any time. Humility says, Lord, it could be anybody, even someone who might not even follow the Lord or know the Lord. If you have an open ear and a humble heart, oh, God, that was from you. It might not even be through uh, uh, someone walking with the Lord, potentially. But Lord, that was wisdom. I should follow that. That's humility. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It's okay to take the low place. Some of the strongest positions we can take are from a place of humility and a place of wanting to learn and hear. So it's not about self-deprecation, though. It's not about, oh, woe is me and self-flagellation. It's about recognizing our dependence on God and, our ne and the necessity of hearing his word. We can walk humbly even when we admit when we make mistakes by admitting them and walking in forgiveness. So the connection between these good deeds, these good things, these gifts, and true transformation. We can practice justice, righteousness, mercy, humility. It involves good deeds. It involves doing good things. But its impact extends far beyond that. It transforms our hearts. We go from a transactional nature of just doing a good thing to check a box and say, yep, I gave to the poor this year, to transformation. We go from acts done out of obligation or guilt or desire for recognition to, I want to help and bless other people. A desire to align ourselves with God's character and show that through loving others. That's what God's character is. It's not, oh, I, I gave to the poor this year. I can check that box. It's, I want to bless people. I want to help other people. I want to show them compassion. I want to do what is right because that's what God wants. Do you see the difference? How it's not transactional thing of, okay, Lord, here we go. It's, I want to help and bless others. And that's where the change happens and transforms us. We go from being self-centered to God-centered. Lord, what do you want? I want to do this because it makes me feel good. Okay, sure. But is that really transforming you to be more like the creator? Right? And even better news, when we do all of these things, we're blessed. We're blessed. We get practice these gifts. We're blessed and the blessing is twofold. We are blessed. And the community or the surrounding area is also blessed. We get a deeper relationship with God, number one. Our hearts become aligned with his will. Leads to a more intimate connection with him. 
We experience a greater understanding of who he is. And our faith grows even stronger. When you stand for what is right and you see the blessing because of it, what happens? You have increased strength. You have increased courage. I remember when I stood last time, God blessed me, and here's how he did it. I have the strength and the courage to do it again. It's a steamroll thing. It, it continues and builds momentum. These are all blessings that we have in, yeah, internally. We have an increased, enhanced relationship with others. What happens if you treat your neighbor with courtesy and respect and, 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 and help them when they're in need? They're going to be nicer to you. <laughs> they're going to treat you with courtesy and respect. My neighbor, who I love, he's a, he's a good man. He's a, he's a retired electrician and plumber. We have a very good relationship. He is not a Christian. But it's, hey, can you, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Can you just watch over if something's wrong with my house? Can Ashley call you? Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'll see him and he'll say the same thing. Hey, I'm going to be gone. Can you check out? Yes. We have an enhanced relationship with others. He's not a Christian. I'm trying. But <laughs> we still have a decent relationship. Why? Because we treat each other with courtesy and respect like we want to be treated, right? But there's also external consequences as well. When people treat other people with respect and kindness, it kind of bounces back, doesn't it? Greater humility and service. Reduce injustice, right? That would be nice. It affects the surrounding community. When we treat our other people the way we want to be treated, when we live according to God's law as, as loving him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, other people notice it. And whether they realize it or not, or even notice it or not, it still affects people, right? There are specific blessings for, for righteousness. We can, mercy and humility. A couple, we'll give a couple examples. Psalm 11, verse 7. The Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will see his face. A direct correlation. You do what is right, you will see his face. A direct blessing for doing what is right. Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. What a, that's a direct correlation to doing what is right and the blessing that comes from it. There's many, many more, but we'll go to mercy next. We read one already, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment even. Mercy is higher than the law, against higher than the mercy seat in the, in the tabernacle. Man, I need a lot of mercy. <laughs> what does God's law say we all get as sinners? We're death. The wages of sin is death. But mercy says, no, I'm going to give you the blood of Jesus. It's going to go above what? the judgment in the law actually says, God's mercy, right? And I want that all the time, right? Proverbs 14, 21, disaster pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. Direct correlation. Some blessings for humility. 
Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty or proud, but humility comes before honor. So many times in my life, and I think about in my career and in other places as well, right before the Lord's lifted me up or raised me up, he brought me very low. I, many times over and over again, where you get to the bottom of this valley, and we talked about valleys a couple weeks ago. And you're like, Lord, I, don't, I can't, get, can't get any worse. I don't know how it can get any worse. And, he, and then you go a little lower and, he, and you say, okay, I'm not going to challenge the Lord anymore with that. I'm just going to say, here we are. And then all of a sudden, within days or weeks or however long, he brings us up and he exalts us. But we, to get the most out of that humbling situation. Proverbs 22.4, the reward for humility and, the, and fear of the Lord is wealth and honor and life. So by offering the gifts of righteousness, mercy, and humility, we contribute to our own well-being. We contribute to building and we contribute to the benefit of the world around us. Right? So what can we do? Well, embrace righteousness. Stand for what's right. You're going to be challenged on this over and over again. We all probably have many times. And sometimes it is sometimes it seems easy and sometimes it's hard based on how or what that stand actually means. And it's Lord, I want to do what's right at all times. I want to do what's fair. I want to do what's correct in your eyes. Be merciful, show mercy. Pretty these are pretty easy takeaways, pretty easy calls to action, if you will. Do what's right, show compassion, be merciful to others whatever that mercy might be when the Lord calls for it, to those who are in need or, or whomever. Forgive those who have wronged you. That's a kind of mercy too, isn't it? Because you're letting them off the hook. Right? Walk humbly. Serve others with a genuine desire to please God, not just to do what's right. To do what's right, of course, but I want to just please the Lord. Right? Practice humility. By admitting your own mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I've had to go to my boss just last week and say, boss, I dropped the ball on that one. That's all me. I messed up. But here's what I'm going to do to fix it. And here's how it won't happen again. Okay. That is much so much easier received than somebody who says, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. Isn't it? Hey, boss, I dropped the ball. That one, it slipped off my desk. I apologize. Won't happen again. Here's what I've already done to make sure it won't happen again. That's so much easier to take than, oh, it was his fault. He didn't remind me. <laughs> right? Walk humbly. So you take a lump. Big deal. Move on. Right? Now that's just a secular thing, of course. But So as we stand on the threshold, we're not on the threshold. We're actually in the middle of the Christmas season. Remember the true meaning. It's not the presence beneath the tree. It's not even the outward things that we do, but how we affect and how we transform our lives by doing what is right, standing for what is right, by walking humbly, by loving and embracing mercy and compassion.
So remember these things, these gifts that really matter the most to God. It's what changes our hearts, draws us closer to Him, aligns us with His character. These are all literal manifestations of Christ's character. And we want to be a part of that, to do what is right, to walk humbly, and to show compassion and mercy to other people. Right? Amen. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word, for this challenge from the book of Micah. We thank you for how you desire to change our hearts in all ways and all things. We ask that you would draw us closer to you, that you would give us opportunity to walk out these things, that you would give us opportunity to do what is right, to continue to do what is right, to show compassion to others and help us, Lord, to be always be mindful to walk humbly before you. That we can reap the blessings ourselves for sure, but also, Lord, see the impact on the world around us. We thank you. We bless you. We love you. Just ask that you would bless us as we go about our day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.